Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Post weekend review show. We are back with a full fixture worth of games. I'm your host Ali, and joining me as always, we have Cyan David. Cyan David. Cyan David. I'll spit that again. How are we, Jazz? <laughs> Not too bad, thanks. No, fine, Andrew. <laughs> a weekend full of goals, and I'm, I'm tongue twisted and flabbergasted all at the same time. <laughs> what can we do? Well, we'll snap, we'll snap you out of that. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I don't know, I, I was just saying pre-pod, this might be the, the perfect weekend for Liverpool almost uh, A fairly good weekend for yourself Dave And Simon maybe with the luckiest three points of the of the weekend <laughs> I think so, well quite possibly, we, we might come on to that in uh, one of the later games <laughs> <laughs> Well I think we'll, we'll just crack straight on and we'll, we'll talk about the game that... Um, I don't even know if Dave could celebrate that much because because of West Brom's situation, but I think we can safely say West Brom are going to really struggle to, to come up. But West Brom 5, Chelsea 2, lads. Did anybody see anything remotely close to this? This was, absolute, <laughs> this was just carnage from the first whistle. Like, I mean, Chelsea looked complacent in before they went, um, before Thiago Silva got sent off, and uh, it was a bizarre game, really. Like, I mean, I don't watch Chelsea week in week out, but like Kovacic was was uh, was was giving the ball away, and then it just was very complacent from the outset. Um, and I don't know what you think about the what the red card because Thiago Silva's gone to block it. I don't think it was a tackle as such, but fundamentally he has come down on him. What was your, what was your take on that? I thought it was a second yellow. Uh, this is one of those that. Um... You know, when we were talking about the last um, North London derby, where it's like, it doesn't matter if the ball's already gone. What, you, if you come in and make contact like that, that heavy contact, even though the shot's already got away, I don't think you can really have a complaint about it. He was out of control, wasn't he? I know, yeah. he, I know, I know he wasn't trying to injure him or anything like that, but you can't, it doesn't give you a car planche to just <laughs> throw yeah. yourself about and land where you please. So I think an experienced defender should definitely know no better than to do that. Yeah, I could, I could understand the, any like complaints if it had been a straight red. You could maybe feel a bit more sympathy, but bear in mind it was a it was a, just a questionable offence. I think the referee's done fairly well there. But you have to say, I mean, for all you know, West Brom played against ten men for for an hour, scored five pretty impressive goals. They um, Us. you know, go. go Goals we don't really associate with West Brom, and, the, and certainly with Sam Allardyce. So I don't know what to read into it. It was, uh, you know, bizarre. I mean, the, that first Callum Robinson goal was just ridiculous. I mean, it's incredible. I think 
think I heard something like Robinson now. I think he's only got four or five Premier League goals, and they've all come against Chelsea. But then, <laughs> it's just so strange. But I mean, and yeah, when like Ali, you asked right at the beginning, did anyone see that coming? I don't think there's a person on the planet who can honestly claim <laughs> that they saw that coming. But it was just, it was, it was just unbelievable, as you say. Some of the goals that West Brom scored, like. I, I can imagine the one that Allardyce must have been most pleased with would have been the first one, which is just a big lump up the field from the goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine he was spitting feathers at some of the other ones. But Chelsea, I mean, that's... For me, I'm sort of thinking about some of the results this season. And obviously, there's been some crazy ones. It's like the villa Liverpool 7-2, the Tottenham-Man U 6-1. I think that is probably the most embarrassing results for any club to have had this season because Chelsea are, you know, top four contenders. They've conceded eight goals to West Brom this season. Like, that's nearly half of West Brom's goals for the entire season. <laughs> scored against Chelsea. It doesn't make any sense. Especially as, you know, and since Tuchel came in, they've, they've barely put a foot wrong and they've barely conceded. <laughs> uh, it's just so out of the form like two against the form but really it's uh, really really odd yeah I, I don't from the extra time show had West Brom not even having a shot on target in this game <laughs> getting a result so um, yeah you can see he was considerably off but Simon you make a good point on like obviously strange results earlier on in the season for what Villa have achieved this the 7-2 Liverpool game was just mental like it was just one of those crazy games it wasn't as stupid it is, Liverpool didn't like get embarrassed, if you know what I mean. Like it was just one of those end to end games where we couldn't score and Villa could. Yeah. We were horrific defensively, obviously, but and then Spurs with the team that Spurs have and how Man United have played, it's not really a you know, an embarrassing result. That could have went a, you know, a team both of those teams are more than capable of scoring five goals in a game. Not that you would ever notice with the with the style that Man United try to play, but yeah. West Brom beating Chelsea 5-2 with it, how expensive that squad's been put together and they're on their own. That is, a, that is a very embarrassing result, as you say. Yeah, I mean, it just... It, it doesn't really make much sense. I, I suppose if you're trying to be kind to Chelsea, which, I mean, and this nah. is no, this is no excuse, <laughs> but you'd say, like, if ever there was a time to play them, it's the lunchtime kickoff on the back of a two-week international break, you might catch them cold. But that that doesn't excuse what happened. And I don't even think going down to 10 men is a valid excuse because if you, if you go down to 10 men against, you know, Liverpool or Man City or even United, you know, despite how poorly they tend to play, you can accept possibly losing that game and maybe losing heavily. You're 1-0 up against West Brom and you go down to 10 men. You should still be seeing that game out and you, and you should be going on to score another two or three yourself. But there's, there's no excuse for that performance. And, um, it, it, it worst a draw anyway. You know, yeah. They are going to be under pressure. But yeah, the, the, the result is, is almost inexcusable. Um, I mean, well, we, we did praise West Ham a fair bit. Um, I think Sam Ardice's interview after it was actually quite, quite humorous. Um, just talking about how they batter Chelsea and how they won't get the credit all well about Chelsea's the negative negativity surrounding Chelsea, which is, you know, he, he does make a valid point there. The, a lot of the media surrounding it is just about how poor Chelsea were, not about how good West Brom were. 
especially after the red card. Um, is it a little too late for them? Dave, I mean, I'll come to you since you're right down there. Is it still really between yourselves and Fulham? Well, I hope so. Um, West Brom, what, eight points behind us, I think? Is that right? I think it is, yeah. Uh, um, I mean, you'd like to think we've got enough in the, in the bank to keep ahead of them, but as I've said all along, like Allardyce has just got this, this way of getting results and whether it's just wait until teams have got, you know, their eyes on other things or less to play for this time of the season or whatever it is, I don't know, but he has this horrible habit of picking up lots of lots of points at this end of the season, so you wouldn't rate them off, but uh, they've got a you know, have a lot more afternoons like this one before they'll be considered in the hunt. I, I think the point you just made at the end there, Dave, is a really good one in that. I, I mean, can you can you see West Brom playing as well as that for the rest of the season? Like that that just seems like a complete one-off game. Um, I'd I'd say if if there was another four or five games to play. Um, like on top of the, the remaining fixtures, then you might sort of get a bit more nervous from your point of view and think, shit, they could get themselves out of it. But I think they've probably just given themselves too much to do. And um, as I say, considering that you can't see them playing as well as that again this season, I, I still think there's just too big a gap for them to make up. But they've given, they've put them, they've given themselves half a chance anyway. Yes, they've got Southampton next Sunday. Um, which is obviously very winnable for them. Um, Southampton obviously got quite a good win this weekend. But, uh, yeah, I think there's a good possibility they could catch either Newcastle or Fulham, but I don't think they could catch both. Um, I do think Newcastle could be, you know, fairly safe in the next... I think it's like three of the next four games are fairly winnable, Dave. Uh, you probably correct me on um, that. Well, we've got, we've got Burnley away next weekend, which, as yeah. you know... I always say it's a winnable game, but whether we do or not remains to be seen. But I think we've got them, and I think we've got West Ham, um, if I'm not mistaken. So it's not it's not a bad. I mean, West Ham are very good at the moment, but as we spoke about a little bit before we started, West Ham are losing players by the week at the minute to injury, which again might work in our favour. But after that, you know, it's Liverpool away, it's Arsenal, it's Leicester, it's Man City. So <laughs> it's it's kind of it's kind of now or never for us. Fingers crossed. I mean, we'll come on to you guys in a bit. Yeah, but I think we'll all agree. I think West Brom have probably left it just just a little bit too late here. Um, on Chelsea, we all kind of kind of expected them to to even pip in second place when we discussed this a few weeks ago. Um, I mean, does this result change your thoughts on them finishing the top four? Or I mean, everything about the whole afternoon just seems like a a one-off. You wouldn't like to about any of that happening again. Um, maybe it's just to kick up the arse they needed. Um, they've had a they've had a great run since Tuchel came in, and as Sai said, you come back after a national break. It's the first kick off of the weekend. The players would have come back in some cases Friday morning probably. Um, I think it's probably a one-off. I think I think they'll still get top four, but it might be one of those results that just focus them for the remaining the remaining games of the season. Sai in agreement. Yeah, just sort of looking at the table now. I, all it, what it's done and some of the other results this weekend, it's it's made made it a bit more difficult for themselves than they probably thought it would have been. But I would say I'd still expect them to to make the top four and just put that that down to a, a horrific blip. No, no, that's fair. Um, well, the next game of the Saturday afternoon was the Bosman's Leeds United 
2-1 home win against Sheffield United, which he was very, very pleased about. Um, I mean, Sheffield United's season goes from bad to worse as every game goes on. Um, Ross, in the predictor we did, had Sheffield United not gaining a single point. Um, and it could quite hap- quite easily quite happen. Um, but another solid three points for Leeds that takes him at the top half of the table. Yeah, I mean, it's, not, it's probably not much to say, but there's probably the the least the game with the least riding on it at the weekend in many ways. Like, you know, as we say, Leeds aren't going to go down. Sheffield United are pretty much down. Um, Leeds did what they had to do. I guess the only talking point really this one was the was the concussion incident. Um, I know I don't really want to turn this into panorama, but do you have any thoughts about what should have happened with the, the concussion and if we should have, you know, this this 10-minute cooling-off period we've been talking about to to assess this sort of thing? Okay, I've got to be honest. This game, I've literally just seen the goals from it because it was unusually for a Leeds game. It was it was probably the only game this weekend, as you say, that didn't really have anything too much going for it. So I have no idea what you're referring to here. What, what happened? <laughs> so um, I think it was Baldock got a, got a knee in the head, like kind of, well, it wasn't a tackle as such. He, he went in for the tackle and ended up colliding and he got a knee in the head and, he got assessed and he came back on and he obviously wasn't right and he eventually got subbed off. And obviously it's quite a bit of a hot topic at the minute, so I think it was Shearer on Amazon Prime afterwards came out saying, well, why are the doctors being rushed into a decision? Why can't they give like these concussion subs 10 minutes um, so that, you know, to be independently assessed? And then mm. if you can play on, great. And if you can't, then um, you can be permanently replaced. There's no problem. Um, but, you know, it's... So if you if you didn't say it, it's probably not worth talking about, but it was just a just a bit of a talking point in this this one. Well, that 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 seems like a sensible idea, surely. Like as you say, yeah, so concussion sub can go on, so you can give a you can have a proper assessment, and then yeah, you you make your decision based off that. So I I don't see why that wouldn't be implemented straight away. To be honest, I thought the hasn't the Premier League brought in the the head knock substitution so it has but um there's i think once it's done it's done and it ah, counts right. as like an extra like an extra sub so you still you know the team doesn't lose out on you know right okay, having yeah. they get like a four subs instead of three but i think that the call is for it to be like a, a temporary thing which can become permanent if you know if he's uh sufficiently damaged i guess is the phrase but whatever mm. i guess it's uh, it's obviously a hot topic at the minute because there's a lot of studying going on into the yeah. impact of head injuries in football, but um, I'm sure they'll come to the right decision. That's, as that seems like a sensible decision all around, doesn't it, to have a 10-minute period where it can be assessed without the game having to wait or anything like that. So Yeah. I guess um, we'll see what happens. I think my, my, my only question I would add to that is just, do we think that they can do an acceptable level of check inside 10 minutes? I know I that's think just so. a rough time scale that you're given. It's not a set and so on, but I mean, how long yeah. it can. Um, well, again, I mean, I'm not, I'm not medically inclined in the slightest, but I would have thought with with, with a concussion, there's only so many things you can do to check it. Um, and if you know, <laughs> if their eyes are glazed over or they're not feeling very steady on their feet, that should be enough to say, well, you probably got you probably got some problems there. Yeah, <laughs> you just thought so. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember going back to the, I think it was the League Cup final, Liverpool played City, and 
um, a few years ago now when Sacco got a head knock and, and just Liverpool refused to let him, you know, play on. And I just remember his reaction at the sideline, you know, claiming he was he was fine. Um, it's just one of those, when it comes to head knocks, it's just one of those well, very hard ones. I, I think, think that's part of the problem, is that the player's always going to say they're fine. Yeah. Um, because it's just, you know, instilled in you from a young age that, you know, you want to play, you don't ever want to come off. Um, yeah. So you're not going to start volunteering to come off, I wouldn't have thought. I mean, I suppose you, probably the most famous example is, is, is Carrius in recent years, um, who allegedly played the last 25 minutes of the Champions League final, haven't been concussed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only good thing we can say, the positive note, is we are going the right way, at least with the, the substitution at least now being allowed. And um, hopefully, obviously, the, the further we look into it, the, the more they can do on the topic um, and see where we go from there, really. So I'm guessing we're... Um, not got much more to add in this game. As, as like you said, Dave, the, the leash riding on it, it sounds like you were the only one to actually watch the game in full. <laughs> were any of the goals, standout goals, worth talking about? Or shall we just move uh, to the, the evening I mean, I mean, Phil J. scored. I'll tell you what, though, Ali. Phil J. scored an own goal on a match of the day. They said he was the oldest outfield player to feature in the Premier League this season. Uh, sorry, the oldest player in the, to feature in the Premier League this season. And I was like, no, he bloody not. <laughs> Willie Caballero played for Chelsea. See, it comes in handy. And, and it was checked as well, that one. We might yeah, have got well. others wrong, but that one was bang on. Possibly none of us knew Caballero actually played a minute. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to the evening games. Um, and we'll go to Caballero's former team. Um, uh, a 2-0 win for Man City. Um I mean, were Leicester in this game at all, chaps? Did, did any no. <laughs> no, City I'm, were unbelievable. No. I'm, I mean, at one stage, the possession was 0-100, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, only, the only surprise from the game was that it was 0-0 at half-time for me. Uh, City, were, they were just so impressive. I mean... They had been all season, pretty you know, by and large for most of it. But Kevin De Bruyne, he's just he's so good. I mean, the the pass that he made for um that eventually led to uh, Gabriel Jesus's goal. Just just two defenders just completely took out. He was proper through the eye of a needle stuff. Um, yeah, you you just you you just got to sit back and applaud them. Haven't you? They they're just fantastic. When when they're on it, they are really on it. It seems like the little attention to details and that he played, you know, he played Rodri and Fernandinho and they basically just just uh, sandwiched Telemans every time he got the ball. So, so <laughs> Leicester, Le- Le- Leicester had absolutely no way of creating anything. Um, they were, I don't know, I think you could probably argue that they were a little bit negative. Um, but I think if there'd been any attack on, they would have been 4-0 down at half-time because it was, uh, yeah. you know, it, it, it's always a, you know, a rock and a hard place. Um with, uh, with with City because if you sit back and just wait to be beaten you know you probably will end up getting beaten but not by very many and if you try and take it to them they'll just pick you off <laughs> yeah well, I, absolutely I, brutal I, with, with the way Leicester set up is watching match of the day on Saturday for once Danny Murphy actually did a really 
interesting, insightful piece of analysis about the way Leicester set up when he was Incredible. like, I know, yeah, but he, he's kind of <laughs> saying, when you think of when Leicester beat them 5-2 at the Etihad, uh, they set up exactly the same way that they did on Saturday. The, he, I think they showed the average positions on, on the pitch from both games and it was virtually identical. The difference was... They were playing a much better Man City today than they were playing then. And they were, City didn't make the silly individual defensive mistakes that they made at the time. So you're right, it's kind of, that's the way they sort of had to set up against them. But you're relying on City having a, a couple of off days at, at the back in the midfield, which they just didn't. And as I say, when, when, when City are at full tilt like that, there's not an awful lot you can do to stop it. So more importantly, how... Um... How annoyed were you guys, uh, Pep, with your squad selection for your fantasy football team? I mean, you just, you just expect it now, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> He's I just think, a uh, Well, the thing is now, they're going to win the title in, what, what do we say before? Um, they need 11 points maximum, and that's assuming, that's assuming Man U are going to win the equivalent games. It's going to be over in, a few, in two or three weeks, and if they're still in the Champions League, which you have absolutely no reason to think they won't be, um, it's... Uh, it's very hard uh, to see them bothering too much with the league. I know it's it doesn't matter what team they put out, they'll probably still beat the majority of teams out there. But there'll come a point where you know, does De Bruyne need to play these dead rubbers? Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's that fine line now, really, of keeping players sharp for the for the games that matter and keeping them fit <laughs> so they're not risking injuries. I guess. Um, I mean, disappointing for Leicester, considering the season they had. Um, we know City are obviously very imperious, but uh, I mean, Leicester still assured the top four. I'm guessing we all agree that it'll take something something ridiculous for them to drop out, really. You'd be surprised. Um, but we uh, said this last year, I think. You know, it, yeah. it can happen. I mean, they've got West Ham away next weekend, which is a huge game. <laughs> All of a sudden, because West Ham are something like four points behind them, five points behind them? Four, four points, yeah. So, I mean, that game takes on all sorts of significance. And then obviously next weekend, a week or so, the weekend after that, they've got the FA Cup semi-final. So, their season can be made or, made or broken over the next couple of weeks. Um, I think, thankfully for them, their fixture running isn't too bad. Looking at West Brom, Palace... Um, the last three games we want to talk about because that looks a bit rough for them <laughs> but they'll have, to hope, they'll have to hope they've got enough points on the board by then Yeah Simon Yeah I'd, I'd, I'd expect them to finish in the top four but just like Dave said then if you'd have asked me with eight games to play last season I'd have said yeah Leicester are shooing for the top four and they fell apart so depends if, if they and I think Madison's back for them now that he played on the weekends. So if they can keep everyone else fit, I'd, I'd expect them to finish in the top four, but you, you just never know. If they lose next weekend, a bit of doubt might start creeping into their heads, you know, thoughts of last season. So it just depends. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think their squad is more than good enough for top four. I've said it all along. I think we mentioned it last was it last week or maybe the week before when we were talking about Leicester, that even they're not, it's not just a, a first 11 anymore, they've got a, a good squad and players coming in, but I just, I'll never have full faith in a Brendan Rodgers team 
to be mentally strong enough to, to achieve anything. I just, I think his ego gets the better of him at times, and they they could collapse at any point. Um, <laughs> and yeah, two three weeks, as you say, Dave, um, Man City can could be on the way to the the quadruple still where cup final coming up. The semi fight is it semi final for the FA Cup? Yeah, yeah. Said yeah, they're obviously in the quarter final of the Champions League. Uh, do they have bad? No, Dortmund. They've first. They've Dortmund. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, Haaland's not going to want to score in that because he's not going to knock his team, his future team out <laughs> in that league. So you might have it quite easy there. Um, so it could really be. Uh, we seem to mean, when City are doing good. We, this quadruple seems to be on up until this stage every year, and they tend to win two. The league cup in the in the league, so <laughs> fingers crossed it's the same again, and that's all. I mean, it's... there's a lot to like about Dortmund, but it's a great draw for City in my opinion. I don't think they're anywhere near as, as good as they have been in, in some seasons. Um, I think it'd be surprised if City lose over two legs against them. Yeah, I think I think it's a, a bar bar Porto. No disrespect to Porto, but I think that's Porto with a team that everybody probably would have wanted. Um, I think Dortmund's the next best. Best option out of that, out of the, the eight teams, quarterfinal, yeah, eight teams. <laughs> <laughs> For me, anyway, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but. Yeah, I do agree. Obviously, Porto is the one you wanted, but uh, Dortmund's probably the next one after that. I mean, that's not to say that they're going to be easy games, but they're the easiest of the options available. But I mean, as we saw last year, Man City got Leon in the quarters, was it? Uh, yeah, and we thought, ah, oh, I thought they'll win that easy. But Pep did Pep things where he just unnecessarily sort of outthinks himself, and then <laughs> yeah. it was really unexpected. But uh, well, it can happen. Your city got us in 2018. Was it 18? Oh yeah. You know, he just he proper pepped it. Like, like I'm not. He just we had even as good as we were playing. Like that city team were better than us at the time. And we annihilated them. Uh, <laughs> embarrassing for them. Yeah. Um, you'd like to think, as well, City fans would like to think that he's kind of gotten over that. And he, he has shown a bit more like sensibleness this season, especially especially after the bit of rocky start they had when uh, that run they went on. But And I think they lost to United maybe come at a right time as well. You know, so they kind of got that, you know, the long yeah. record out the way now they can just get mm. back one in but yeah it'll be interesting to see see how the City season turns out and in two three weeks time we'll kind of know more where they're at um, last game of the weekend um, Liverpool 3 some team pretending to be a football team still because that that was a pathetic display from Arsenal was it not? I think that you've been very kind to Arsenal by calling that pathetic <sighs> It was fucking appalling. It was. I, 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 I don't. I mean, I, I, you're, I'll let you talk about Liverpool first before before I get into Arsenal. But um, bloody hell. Well, I actually watched this game, which is, as you know, a rarity for me since since New Year, basically. Um, and I, I don't know how well to praise Liverpool or yeah. be embarrassed that it was only three. Um, which sounds ridiculous because again, like this is still Arsenal we're playing, but like that was a just such a pathetic lacklustre attempt at being a football team 
from the Arsenal team. I feel Aubameyang's just went and ozled them, got this big contract, and now just doesn't do anything for them. Um, <laughs> only one player for Arsenal came out with respect marks because he went off injured, and that was Tierney. Um, I mean, Liverpool were good, don't get me wrong. Like we did, did, we did everything that we had to do. Um, the first half, we just wished we could have actually scored a goal. Um, took Jota coming on to really just reignite. Um, Trent played like he had something to prove. Probably the best game he's had this season. Kabak and Nat Phillips, another clean sheet. Kabak, Kabak looks like a real player, but Fabinho again, just he's an absolute monster. Um, I think the three of us have spoke about him when he played centre-half for the period of time. He's just, he is by far our most important player, uh, especially now that Van Dijk's not out. Um, but 3-0, I mean, as you say, like winning 3-0 should be a great result against a team like Arsenal, but I, I genuinely feel kind of disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, as you say, Liverpool were very good, but it's, you, you kind of almost weigh it up against, well, look at the, the standard of the opponents you're playing. And that was, I mean, Arsenal have, have put in, thrown in some really poor performances over the course of the season. I'd say that's probably the worst I've seen them. I mean, it it was just, it was so bad. And like, they they just offered nothing, I think. It was, uh, in, it was in the second half, I think Gary Neville was saying that him and Martin Tyler could have played centre-back. Yeah. For, for Liverpool and and he's not wrong I mean I'm, I was watching Monday Night Football earlier and uh, they were sort of talking about the game and I mean Gary Neville was absolutely scathing about Arsenal's sort of front five or six uh, players and like, he, he was showing clips clips of them and sort of suggesting that he, he almost felt like some of those players in that sort of fr- uh, fr- attacking four who were playing have almost just sort of given up on wanting to play for the manager just or just don't agree with the way that he's sort of set them up because they're not offering anything. I mean, Aubameyang, you're right. He, he's, they, they've almost got another Ursula on their hands, they, which is so strange because he was so good for the previous couple of years. Like Ursula would show flashes of absolute quality and he's clearly a very talented player. But he would throw in a number of just really non-existent performances. Whereas Aubameyang wasn't like that. He he was playing well and scoring a lot. But this season, he's he's pretty much done fuck all. And he's he's one of those players that if he's not scoring, he contributes absolutely nothing to the team. And he's uh yeah, I, I think they've made a a real error. I, you can understand in one sense, obviously, why they wanted to keep him because he was their only goal scorer last year. But with hindsight, you're thinking they should have just cashed in on him because he is—he just doesn't seem to give a shit anymore. <laughs> there has to get to a point with players, even when they're a superstar and as good as Obama Yang is or was, you, you can't go offering them the wages that he's 375 grand a week. They, they gave him a new contract out of the fear of losing him. But he's 31 year old. Yeah, <laughs> it, it. I mean, it's it seems it just seems stupid, doesn't it? Again, like they couldn't sell Ozil. I mean, Ozil, don't get me wrong, had a bit more, you know, politics to play in, and his performances and the way the way has ended, uh, which isn't the same as Aubameyang. But who who's going to buy Aubameyang, and where's he want to go and go want to go to when he's earning 
that money at Arsenal and he's not going to get that anywhere else at his age. Yeah, they, they won't shift him now. If, if assuming that they want to get rid of him in the summer, they they they've not got a can health chance of selling him. Anything. So there's there's no club that is going to pay those wages to a player of that age. Play, clubs just don't do that anymore to to players once they get over thirty. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I mean, there was talk of going to China a few years ago. And it's exactly the type of move you could see him making. I don't. I think they might have changed their rules now. Anyways, they might not be able to. But they have, yeah. When they were allowed to play mega box for uh, for players, he would have been the ideal candidate. Yeah, I mean, Dave, since you you popped up there, I mean, what was your thoughts on the game? I mean, do, do you disagree with anything that's been said so far? Uh, no, no, they were, they were absolutely atrocious from start to finish. Um, Liverpool should have been outside by half time. Um, but like you say, it's um, it's funny with Arsenal because every time you think they've turned a corner, they're throwing a, throwing a performance like this, which if they go and knock out is it Slavia Prague they've got in the in the, in the Europa League quarterfinals, uh, yeah. yeah, all of a sudden they're in the last four and they're, they're three games away from the Champions League. And that would be, a, you know, if they can somehow pull that off, that's an unbelievable result for them from a, a pretty awful season. Um, but you just can't see it, can you? I don't. I think I think they'll beat Slavia Prague over two legs, but there was, this, you know, some good teams left in that, in that trophy after that. So you'd be surprised, but I think it's totally the thing you should be focusing on. Yeah, we've said that for a while now, haven't we? Even even before this result, that the Europa League is where Arsenal should all their eggs just now um, I mean for Liverpool I, I still think top four is, is going to be a hard battle but the weekend couldn't have gone any better really I mean had West Ham conceded a, a late equaliser which we'll come on to obviously later on but that might be the only result that kind of didn't go our way this this weekend so I mean thoughts on Liverpool's chances for the top four and and even a little bit about Jota, like I, I think he deserves probably a special praise. That um, I don't think I've given him as much credit. I mean, Simon, you've been obviously very high on him, but I don't think I gave him as much credit as he probably should deserve. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, pretty much since the start of the season, since she signed him, I, I, I sort of called it as I think that's an incredible signing. Um, I'll be honest, maybe I didn't necessarily see him scoring as many goals as he's got but I just from when I'd seen him at Wolves I, I just saw this it's just that's just a real real quality player and playing amongst better players you know I, I kind of always thought that that was going to be an excellent signing and and, and I thought it was a much needed signing for Liverpool as well to, to give a real competition to that front three um, so yeah I, I mean Jota yeah, it's just been brilliant. Although I would, if if you were an Arsenal fan, you'd be very annoyed at how someone who's about five foot eight has managed to get above <laughs> your centre back and right back to get on the end of that header. But um, yeah, no, he's been brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Poor, poor Timo Werner, who was Liverpool's first choice and Jota was second. That Jota scored more goals yesterday than than <laughs> Werner has in 22 games. Bless him. <laughs> Uh, Werner, Werner looks like he's totally shot, doesn't he? Yeah, it's it's so it's like Torres levels when he was uh, going through his struggles there. It's um so so bad at the minute. Did you see his mess for Germany? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> oh, bless him. Bless him. 
Um, well, that rounds up Saturday's games anyway. Before we batter any team of Werner any any longer, um, and we'll start off with the Sunday kickoff. It's um, Southampton three, Burnley two. Five goals in in a Burnley game. Sean Dyche isn't going to be happy there, especially with two not leading and dropping three three goals there. Yeah, well, you don't really associate Burnley with with uh, sort of end end football matches, but. Fair play to them. They, they, they played their part in this, and I mean, there were some really good goals in this game. But uh, you, you feel like you know Wood missed a great chance to equalise towards the end. But you look at you know Ward Prowse hit a shot that hit the underside of the bar, and Che Adams probably should have had two when he came on as a sub. Like there was, <laughs> there was there, there was some poor finishing, but also some great goals. It was really it's a really strange game to try and analyse, but. Um, I think when Southampton were, were two 0 behind, you know they're going to be marooned up 33 points, and you're thinking, God, with a team like them with their with their let's say confidence issues, all of a sudden you start thinking, Christ, you know they really could be tra- dragged into this, but for them, you know they pulled, they turned it round, and I think that that ends any any sort of talk and being sucked into it now. Yeah, Simon, do you think that that's enough for to take them safe? Yeah, I I think so. Um... What the ten points clear now with eight games to go. Fulham have only got seven, so it's it's and to be fair, it's not just the fact that it's ten points; it's the amount of teams between them and the bottom three yeah. as well. So I, I think they're W all right now. But um, yeah, like like Dave said, there's it was it was an entertaining game, which I think if everyone's been honest, no one looked at that and thought that's that's a game that's going to be first on much of the day. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, very, very, very a weird one because also with Burnley, you, you don't necessarily, you don't associate them going like two goals up ever. But then once they've done that and against a team who aren't playing great, they're normally fairly decent at the back. So to to concede to you know to throw the game away was um probably a little concerning. And then I mean I know Burnley have got a decent gap between them and the bottom three, but they're they're not a hundred percent out of it yet. I mean, if, if we can go there and win next weekend, they they should be very worried for many for many reasons. But <laughs> but you know that would that would really suck them back in. But I was I was surprised at how poor Burnley were defensively. Like you say that that normally you associate them with you know me and Tarkovsky being this sort of barrier to uh, to try and break down. But Danny Ings made them both look very very stupid. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean that that is a brilliant goal which hasn't really had. The uh, the column injuries it deserves because I thought that was fantastic. Composure to sit down two of the names two two of them have been pretty consistent good Premier League defenders for for a number of years now, and uh, he made them both look absolutely amateurish. I mean Danny Ings. I mean I, I think we're all uh, fans of his. I, I I feel sorry for him because doesn't matter how well he plays and how many goals he scores. I don't. I think he's going to miss out on. On the Euro spot, which it seems really harsh because I think he's such a good player, but he, yeah, I think you're right. He, he, that goal hasn't got the credit that it deserves, and in a way, I think I think everyone rates him as a good player, but it, he still seems like he doesn't get the credit that he, that he should do. I think uh, Southgate look at him as a, as a as an injury risk, and if he, you know, he seems to be always either come back from an injury or trying to shake off an injury at the minute. I just think Southgate will think if I take him and he pulls up in the first week, you know, we're, we're a player down. 
Yeah, but I mean, and which is such a shame as well because he's, I mean, obviously behind Kane, he's probably the next best, like just pure finisher that England's would have available to them. Well, he's seen a really, he's seen a really good run of, uh, you know, not getting injured, but um, he seems to have had a few this last four or five months where he just kind of kind of get a run of games, but he's, um, as you say, he's he's, he's brilliant, and there's a lot of talk on going to Man City um, as a almost a cheap replacement for Aguero, but I mean, Christ, it scares me if he got in a good team, how many chances he'd get and score, because <laughs> uh, he just doesn't miss. Like, it's, uh, it's absolutely ridiculous, really. Well, he's got, I'm just looking now, he's got nine goals this season in the league, and I'm, I'm, so I'm not sure how many games that's in, because you say he's, he's missed a few, so, you know, that that's a pretty good record in the team that isn't necessarily the most creative. So, yeah, if you, if you put him in a, a top team like that, and he stayed fit. I think he's he's easily getting over twenty goals for you. You'd be surprised if he didn't. I mean, if he goes, he'll, I mean, he'll play. And the thing as well, if he goes to that Man City team, he'll play against, you know, the poorer teams. I imagine. Yeah. Um, and he'll fill his boots. Honestly, <laughs> it's uh, it could be. Could be a really good move for him. I mean, it'll also be really frustrating for him at times when he has to, you know, he probably won't play some of the bigger games. But um, I think at his age, if that opportunity comes around, you, you would certainly take it, wouldn't you? Yeah, he'd be stupid not to, wouldn't he? He'd prolong <laughs> his career as well because he wouldn't have to play 90 minutes every week. You know, he's yeah. Keep chance to play some Champions League, some, some Champions League group games and nothing else. So. Yeah, but even even if it's not Man City, I. I'd be surprised if a few other of the teams in sort of the top five or six don't have a little look at him this summer because there's a lot of talk of Harry Kane moving on from Spurs. If if they were to lose him, they could do a lot worse than go for Danny Ings. No, I mean that'd be that'd be ideal for them. I mean we'll probably go on to Kane shortly, but I mean Spurs would be absolutely insane to sell him. I, I don't think I know Danny Ings will be a good stopgap replacement, but. Uh, I mean, Kane is formidable, really. I think he uh, he's probably the only player I can think of who's as important to their team as him is, is probably Grealish at yourselves. Like, there's just if he's not there, imagine how bad they'd be. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll use that as the perfect segue, David. We'll come straight on to Harry Kane's Tottenham Hotspur. Um, they were facing the mighty Newcastle. Talk mm. us through it. Well, we got a point, but it's a bit like the Burnley game, really. I, I don't know if I should be happy or sad because we had multiple chances to 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 win the game, uh, or at least score more goals. Anyway, um, you know, Joe Linton probably did get a goal for once. He missed some stinkers, um, <laughs> but I just—I mean, I'll ask you two as you know, as, as relative neutrals in this, but you must watch us and think we get ourselves into some some brilliant positions. And we don't even get a shot off in half the cases. Like, there's one situation where Dwight Gale had the, probably a, a, probably a 10-yard margin for error to make a through-ball pass and just <laughs> wild, wildly overhit it. And yeah, and I remember to, that one. It was to Almiron as well, who's like, you know, he's he's pretty quick. So again, that probably adds on a couple of more yards to your, your margin of error, and he's got nowhere near it. It was such a bad pass, but um, yeah, we, we, we changed the system. He went to three-five-two. Um, which I thought was the right thing to do. I was worried how we would how we deal with no Isaac Hayden because we don't really have another holding midfielder. So with Hayden being out for the <coughs> excuse me, Hayden being out for the season, I was worried how we deal with that. And uh, solution is to go to, to three centre backs. Now 
that was the right system, but some of the players he picked in it was was, was questionable. So we had we had Kraft playing centre half, which I'm hoping without necessity rather than choice because um, you know Fede Fernandez apparently pulled up injured um, in the week. We must be the only team who who have players who don't go into national duty and end up with more injuries, like from, from being left, <laughs> from being left behind. Well, apparently we only train twice a week, so somehow we somehow get loads of injuries. Maybe that's why we train twice a week. <laughs> yeah, you train five, five times a week, you wouldn't be able to play anyone out. We'd have no players, but Andy Carroll was also injured in training. Ryan Fraser came back from national duty with an injury. Um, and well, Sam Maxman was back on the bench, which which was helpful. But the only thing which I find questionable going to 3 5 is that it... It negates both St. Maxman and um, Fraser because, I mean, the, the there should be winners really, but you'll persist with St. Maxman probably as a as a ten off off Wilson, and uh, it might work, but I, I just think it's not the best system of what we've got. But on this occasion, you know, I, I we just about got away with it. I don't know how John Joe Shelby still getting minutes because he he is a, he's just awful. <laughs> he just. I'd love to see his pass completion stats of like passes over five yards because it was <laughs> poor at best. I think um, I thought that the two wing backs though they, they were they were good Richie and Murphy um, and for all their finishing was was poor. What you would say about Joel Linton and Gale is that they actually played like a bit of a partnership and the, you know one one of the problems we've had is that the, the strike has been isolated and there's been no one, no one anywhere near them, but. Quite a few occasions here, they they um, were able to you know, link up, and you know that that opening that we talked about was created because of the two strikers actually being within ten yards of each other, which again hasn't always been the case. So there were some pleasing things. Um, as I say, there's always going to be gripes because it's Steve Bruce's team, but um, it was streets ahead of what happened against Brighton. It annoys us that he comes out afterwards and says, "Oh, you know, we have to put up with all sorts of nonsense up here." And it's like we've won two in eighteen. Like, just because you've managed to get a draw doesn't mean all of a sudden everyone was wrong. Like, you're still an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's got a lot of a lot of work to do before he wins his round. Um, Joe Willock, again, he, oh, great substitution being off the bench. Why he wasn't starting, I've got no idea. He's been our best midfielder since he signed. So, to, to have to sit on the bench and watch Shelby and the bigger Longstaff plot around, I, I just I just don't get it. Um but again, I don't get an awful lot of things he says and does. So we'll take the point. It's worked out well for us to go with the, the rest of the results of the weekend. Um, and as I say, that game against Burnley next weekend, if we can just find a way to win that, um, I think we're almost there. Yeah, that'll be massive. I mean, we'll come on to the, the other important game for yourselves next. But that's a, it's a huge point, especially after going 2-1 down as well. Um, no matter what the what happened to the game, we missed a couple of glorious chances as well to even take the full three points later on in the game as well. There was some some really really odd finishing, <laughs> um, which we could probably do an we could probably do an entire podcast on. But um, saying this, we should probably talk about Spurs a bit as well. I was I was wondering at one point like how many Harry Kane's were on the field because he 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 creates every chance to get, but he also scores every chance to get. And he was thinking, <laughs> how, how does this happen? <laughs> Yeah, his uh, his his second goal especially was um is a really clinical finish, wasn't it? To be fair, I mean you just you just can't give him that that sort of oh, time and space in the box. 
I mean, when you're playing three centre backs and somehow he managed to escape all three of them, you just wonder what the point is. But um, he, he is an incredible player. I know he has his detractors because of some of the things he does on the football field, but you wouldn't you wouldn't mind him playing for you, would you? Because oh. he's, he's just a he's just a, just a guarantee of goals. Yeah, I mean, I mean to be fair, I mean Newcastle obviously missed some chances. Spurs did as well. I mean, obviously Kane got a couple, but. He missed a couple of chances himself, and I think Tanganga, the heads are cleared off the line. So, I mean, it, it kind of it could have gone either way in the end. But I've, I mean, just talking from Tottenham's point of view, I, I'm really struggling to see. I, I can't work them out because where are they in the table now? They're they're, they're sixth, but you sort of you look at them sometimes. And you kind of, I wonder how they're six because they don't <laughs> seem, certainly the second since like the turn of the year, they don't seem to have played well at all, really. Or, you know, very rarely, but they've, they, they find themselves in the top six. It's very strange. Well, well, they went and battered Burnley and Palestine at home. And I like, and Mourinho seems to be using that as his excuse of being like, well, no one was complaining when we beating these teams three and four nil. I was like, well, you've got like, <laughs> yeah. Bales, Bale, Son and Kane <laughs> and, and you're beating Burnley 4-0 like of course you should be Well I mean talking about uh, Bale and Son as well though, I'm just looking at Tottenham's liner. have you seen their bench for your, so again Sean the bench they had Son, Winks, Bale Lamella, Dyer, Sissoko Ali like <laughs> you kind of think how are not, how are more of them not in that first team it, it just it, just seems really weird what's going on. And then Mourinho, I don't know, did you see the uh, the comments after the game when he was asked about why uh, why his teams can't seem why they can't seem to hold on to the lead uh, at the moment? So that that's not you know normally what you associate with Mourinho. And he just came out with with a, a perfect like typical Jose line, same coach, different players. And I just thought, <laughs> what a way to throw your entire squad under <laughs> the bus. <laughs> yeah, but we're chuffed to hear that. I am absolutely. <laughs> I would want to manage in my club, but <laughs> does it help me loving him? Um, I, I mean, I don't know where to go with that. I just think it's a massive point for you, Dave. Um, I I don't understand how Spurs are where they are in the league because I feel they've been fairly terrible all season. Yet they're sitting sick. Fifth, six, six, they'll be no fifth, fifth below West Ham. Um, oh, yeah, had they won, it would have been a bit rosier for them, but it's kind of left Chelsea off the hook a bit. Yeah, it's a strange one. Don't understand why, quite why they're there. Um, yeah, man, forgetting about Spurs. Yeah, they'll they're still in the no, they're out of Europe, isn't it? So top four is all they can if they want Champions League football. They need they need the top four. Um, and as yeah, like the biggest thing for yourselves, Dave, is yes, it's a massive point. You'd have preferred three, obviously, um, but beat Burnley next week and and Fulham drop any points, and you're more not laughing, but you'll feel a lot well, more safer. Put it that way. Well, the thing is, like Fulham play Friday night against Wolves, and if you know if Wolves can win that or Fulham you know don't win, it takes the pressure off a huge amount. Like if, if Fulham win that, we go in the in this game in the bottom three, which. I think we'll put an entirely different complexion on how, how the game will look to us. Um, so 
it's kind of an advantage playing playing after them in some ways, but it could also put a heap of pressure on us beforehand. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I mean, talking to Fulham, we'll come on to <coughs> oh, um, Simon. 3-1 Villa against Fulham. Um, how? How? I have no idea because <laughs> we didn't have a shot on target until the 75th minute. So I, I can't understand how... I genuinely don't know how we how we won that game. Um, it was an awful game to watch, I thought. I, I can't imagine many neutrals, certainly for the first hour at least, were enjoying it. I mean, the first half, literally nothing happened. It was almost pointless playing that first half. I can't remember either team having any sort of even half chance. And it was... It was looking like one of those games. To be fair, I thought this this got nil nil written all over it because neither team looks like scoring. It, and it was like it's either going to take a moment of magic or a mistake. Now it was a game that was never going to produce a moment of magic to get a goal. So it came from a mistake uh, from Tyrone Mings. Yeah, I mean, it was there's just not too much you can say about it to try and defend him. It was just a really really sloppy mistake. It was a simple. That pass to mate to Martinez, he just scuffed it. Mitrovic, who hasn't scored in the league since September, just just gifted the goal. Um, and when you know Fulham went one 0 up, they they looked pretty comfortable because, as I say, we hadn't done anything. We didn't have a shot on target until the 75th minute. So I once when we went when we, once we went one behind, I thought well, this is game over because I think there's only one game this season where we've gone behind and actually taken anything from it, and that was a draw against Chelsea back in December. But um, Smith, for once, made the right substitutions. Now, one of the bigger criticisms from Villa fans about Smith is the he doesn't he's not very. React, uh, proactive with his substitutions, and when he when he makes them, they often don't don't really like do anything to change the game. Like he, if if we're losing, he'll take a, whichever one of the two wingers has been performing the worst, he'll take them off for whichever one's on the bench. And so you're not really changing the system, right? you're not really doing too much to change it. And it looked like he'd done that again. He took El Ghazi off, who I'd forgotten was on the pitch until I saw him coming <laughs> off. He, he was that ineffective. And he put Trezeguet on, who, I mean, I've said about Trezeguet for a long time. In terms of work rate, you can't knock the lad. He, oh, he runs your socks off like I've never seen anyone else do. But there's just there's very, very little quality there. But the two goals he scored, I mean, the first one, I've got to say, you've got to really give Tymo Mings a lot of credit, I think, because he's made the error to put us 1-0 down, and it was a bad error as well. And you could easily sort of go into your shell and crumble a bit, but he, he's wearing the captain's armband with Grealish out at the moment, and he really stepped up to atone for his error, got forward and put a lovely cross in. And the finish from Trezeguet, was beautiful first-time left foot, low down to the keeper's right, no chance. And you're thinking, OK, we've, we've pulled an equaliser out of our arse from nowhere. I don't know how that's happened. And then we just completely turned. And the other substitution that he made is Keenan Davis, who is a player that I really like him. The problem is, and it's a big problem for a striker, he's not a goal scorer. Now, <laughs> like, that's obviously not great. But what he does have is... His hold at play and his link-up plays on the ball, he's actually quite a good player. But he's only, normally this season, we've only sort of 
throwing him on for five or ten minutes and pull him out wide where you've not really got enough time to make an impact. But he came on with, I think, just under half hour to go and he was put through the middle. We went 4-4-2 with him and Watkins. And he completely bulldozed, I think, Adrabayo to win. It was dallying, Dilly Dallying on the ball. Davis took it off him. Beautiful little uh, cross to the back stick. And Trezeguet with another ridiculously lovely finish, which belies his abilities, I think. And then <laughs> full, and then we uh, obviously got the third goal. Watkins finished it off with a lovely bit of skill from Traore. But I think for Fulham, that is such a damaging defeat because to be one nil up in an, a game and not not just one nil up but you're looking very comfortable. We were offering nothing, and then once we got that equaliser, they completely collapsed. And I think that could have a real, real psychological effect on them for the rest of the season because that's a game they should have taken all three points from definitely. Uh, I mean, Dave. I mean, how are you feeling when the the Fulham goal went in and you'll be delighted on Simon's well, assessment at the end? Yeah, I mean, I was very, very worried. But I said, luckily, I hadn't, I hadn't watched the preceding 60-odd minutes and I turned the telly on just as Mitrovic was rounding the keeper and I thought, well, that's, that's a bad sign. Um, so I was very happy to see Villa totally boss the last 20 minutes, to be honest with you, because it was, obviously, I was... Uh, Soon as Sky flashed the live table up, I was thinking, oh, there we go. <laughs> but um, it worked out well in the end. But I'd say if that's a kick in the teeth for Fulham, then all the better for us. You know, Fulham, uh, one of the Fulham fans I say on Twitter was saying that their, their away form is actually much better than their home form. Um, so I wasn't that surprised to see them playing well away from home. But um, I think Brendan Rodgers said before their game, you know, what is home advantage now anyway? Like, <laughs> But they've yeah. been doing this long enough now to uh, to really not really make that much of a difference. So I don't think you can really rely on you know who's playing home, who's playing away, and just take every fixture as it comes. But I hope they, they hope they suffer, <laughs> have, a, have, a rough, <laughs> have a rough week. And I don't even dislike Fulham as a football club. Like as I said many times, like I'd quite happily them stay up with us and have Burnley go down. That would be the ideal scenario. But beggars can't be choosers. I've told you over and over again. <laughs> I am off this show. I am. <laughs> I'm going to start a championship podcast. Um, and play your cards right, Dave. You'll be coming with me with Newcastle coming down. That's it. I was going to say somehow, <laughs> somehow us and Burnley go down. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and Newcastle and Ali and Dave start their own championship. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. <laughs> On what Simon says about the, the psychological thing, I mean, do you think taking such a hider at the end of the game, being being 1-0 up, do you think that, I don't know if pressure's the right word, but do you think Fulham will, will start to feel that that negativity really creeping in after the run they had been on now, Dave? I think if you look at it from their point of view, you're thinking when, when you go 1-0 up, you think, oh, we've done it, we've actually caught them, we're going to be at the bottom three. Um, and all of a sudden they become the team to chase down, albeit on goal difference. But, you know, psychologically, they were 17th for a couple of minutes. Um, I think it would have made a huge difference. And then to have that taken away from them, I think it's a bit of a kick in the teeth. Um, it's been a funny old season, hasn't it? You can't really, you can't read that much in anything, can you? I was, I was listening to a, another, like, review show um, this morning. At what? Work. I know. It doesn't have a patch on us, um, a lad, but... 
There was a, a Newcastle fan. I don't know if you know Jake Jackman. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter or anything. I don't. No, no. Uh, I don't. And he, the way he was describing the Newcastle thing. I mean, he he has fairly similar opinions to yourself on like the the Bruce and and how Newcastle have been and you know for a while who you were saying like you, you almost don't deserve to stay up sort of thing that type of. But the way he's saying is he feels if, if Fulham take over at any stage that they'll they will stay up. He he just doesn't think that that Newcastle players have the almost have the fight or the belief to then almost like re regard not regard the state, I don't know what the right word is. But you know, just dig in deep really and and battle out. He thinks you can keep enough points to stay out of it. No, I mean, I, I fully agree. I, I, know, I say exactly what he's saying. Like, I cannot say of catching anybody. Um, I can't. Like, we're not. You know, we don't win enough games to be chasers, but we can just about keep our heads above water. So. Yeah, I, I think we looking at sort of it. Obviously, you say it's sort. Of, we all assume it's sort of a shootout between Newcastle or, or Fulham, possibly still Brighton, but I think they probably just pulled themselves out. I'd say the, the difference is, well, what could be a difference is Fulham at the start of the season would probably expect to be where they are at the moment. So it might not, there might not be such a great sense of panic or anxiety as there is at Newcastle. Because I'm sure at the start of the season, the players probably wouldn't have envisioned that they'd be so involved in this relegation battle. So it seems like there's more of a calm positive approach coming from Fulham than there does from Newcastle so I mean whether that plays a part in it obviously we'll have to wait and see but it's um, yeah it's, it's a difficult I, I think what what that guy said is is right I think if Fulham if Fulham got themselves ahead of Newcastle I'm not saying that Newcastle wouldn't be able to to get out of it but I think that would that would have a bit of an effect on them I think I think as well in mean, the fixture I've just reeled off there beforehand, you know, after Burnley, um, we've got um, West Ham, which I mentioned, but after that we've got you know some really really good teams. And if Fulham were ahead of us, I couldn't see us getting many points there. Um, and we're putting a lot of stock in those last two games, which is Sheffield United at home and Fulham away. Now those two look like winnable games on paper. We could possibly go in and have a not won in. 20 odd games <laughs> and all of a sudden it becomes a, a lot more of a difficult task to even beat you know Sheffield United who will be relegated by then and probably playing with a bit of freedom so um, all of a sudden every game becomes very very difficult doesn't it I, I mean I, I think there'll be it's such a cliche to say but I, I think there will be you know the old twists and turns and the odd shock results between now and then be, like involving both yourselves and Fulham and it just seems like it more as each week goes on, you, you just feel it's going to come down to that last game, don't you? You do. Um, I mean, I really, really hope it doesn't. But it, uh, I think it's I think it's heading that way, isn't it? I I don't think it will. I think either Newcastle will be safe or will be down before that game comes. <laughs> um, well, no, I mean you, you're probably right because it's it's going to be feast or famine for us. If I say if we can get get a win before we head into those awful fixtures, um, it gives us something to to defend. Whereas if we don't, we're very likely going to be behind Fulham by then. So as I said yeah. before, Fulham Fulham seem capable of 
doing the, the unexpected and, and pulling a result out, um, whereas we we haven't pulled a result out for nearly half a season now. So yeah, as you say, I think this weekend could be quite crucial in the way. If it's a Fulham win on that Friday night, it puts so much pressure on yourselves going to that Burnley game. Whereas if they lose, then there's a bit of pressure taken off, and if if they lose and you can win, then that that makes quite a big gap added with your game in hands. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's 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 our chance to do it. Either you know get out, or we're going to be just in it forever. So. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the, the last game of the night will just will come on to now as well because there's still a, a glimmer that they could be drawn into the the battle between Fulham and Newcastle as well as as Man United. I'm not quite sure how, um, but they beat Brighton again, um, a two-one win, but. I mean, Brighton only three points clear of yourselves, Dave. Uh, I think they're on 32, you're on 29, I think that's right. Um, but uh, Brighton won yes, right. again. <laughs> so, um, I feel it's the story of Brighton's season, as we keep mentioning. Uh, but, I mean, United really did lock out getting three points here, which you'll be pleased, in a way. No, I'm very pleased. I think you don't want teams getting away from you. I know Brighton are three effectively four points up the road from us because of uh, because of their superior goal difference. But Brighton were brilliant for the first half, um, and they fully deserved the the lead. Um, unfortunately, they couldn't sustain it in the second half. And as is often the way, Fernandez managed to get the the key pass off. And you know this time it was Rashford, but it's been the story of this, the whole season is that you know. They're poor, and then Fernandez does something, or Pogba pulls something out, or you know, somebody does something which 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 gets them out of jail. Um, I think once they were level, I think I always fancied them to win it um, because it's Man United and it's what they do, and not what they have done all season. What did you think about the Brighton penalty shout on Welbeck? Ah, uh, 100% a penalty for me. <laughs> I mean, this is a. This must have been. You remember the other week uh, when United drew away at West Brom and Harry Maguire was going on about all the VAR decisions going <laughs> against them. This this must have been another one of them, Harry. I, I thought it was unbelievable how how he got away with that. But it's Man U and it was at Old Trafford, so you know I'm surprised Welbeck didn't get sent off. <laughs> I mean, I've looked at it, looked at it several times, and I just I don't understand how, how it hasn't been given. I mean, what, I know that defenders are always going to be physical, and they're allowed to you know jostle to try and stop someone scoring, but he has literally stopped him <laughs> scoring by by fouling him. Like he didn't say look at it any other way. It's borderline assault. Like, <laughs> it's just if that was a guy and a girl in the street, that's 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 like sexual assault. That's jail sentence time. But it's just. He's not even made an attempt for the ball, so that's that's not only a penalty; it's a red card as well. Yeah, I'd, I'd, argue, I'd definitely argue that had it been given. But, I mean, they did they, 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 this game. In fact, both games between these two teams this season has perfectly summed up both of their seasons. Brighton played really well, but lost. Man, you looked shit, but won <laughs> in both in both games. Yeah, you you filled it. You've literally hit the nail on the head. Um, my biggest concern is how Brighton have got a better goal difference than yourselves, Dave. I assume it's just because they have conceded less, not scored more, because Brighton haven't scored goals. 
Uh, I don't have the full table, but I can tell you, when you get pasted every other week, and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> so it does come down to defence. Uh, I mean, is there much more to add than that? I think Simon, literally Simon's line there, that United were shit again, but got three points. Brighton played really well, but didn't get the job done. Literally has been the story of both team seasons. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, this is just, just a slightly less entertaining version of the uh, the, the reverse fixture. I was going to say less drama, but we still had the penalty decision in this one. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. We'd have taken some beating a penalty after the final whistle, mind. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's drama at its finest. Um, right, we'll come on to the last two games tonight, then, and we'll start off with the, the earlier kickoff. The Everton won, Alice won. Um, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I've not seen either game tonight, I've just seen the results, but I have seen on, on Everton Twitter that there's a quite a loud shouting for the Ancelotti's almost head and a lot of criticism now. I mean, is this justified as well as the game? I mean, I mean, we talked about the Everton's home form before. You look at some of the games they've lost. I mean, obviously, got a draw here. That's two points dropped. They should have beaten, well, they shouldn't have beaten us. They played terrible against us, but you'd expect them to beat a team like us. They played Fulham a few weeks later and exactly the same thing happened. That's eight points they should they should have, really. Did they, they lose home to Burnley recently? Did I, they I, did, I yeah, that. yeah. Yeah. No, they did. Okay. So, I mean, do that. It's okay. That's fine. Yeah. Man, yes. <laughs> but if they even won like two of those games, they'd be fourth. <laughs> like, and they've, st- and they've, st- they've still got a game in hand that will put them sixth if they win it. Um, I, I mean, I, I think wanting them out is ridiculous because who are you going to get that's better than Paul Ancelotti to come to Everton? <laughs> it's a, yeah. it's a, you know, he's he's probably the right man in the wrong job in many ways, but. Uh, that home form is going to kill them. And uh, I mean, if you watch this game, you cannot really blame Angelotti because they missed some absolutely ridiculous opportunities. Um, <laughs> they should have been two or three ahead, really. And um, I mean, Palace, Palace are just infuriating because they're, they're, they're constantly there. Like they're, like they're a solid seven out of ten team, and they always play a seven out of ten. And you've got to play well to beat them. And if you don't, they'll just they'll do what they did here and score. And uh, They've made a, you know, under Roy Hodgson, that, that's been their MO their entire time in the Premier League. Like they're, they're never fantastic. They're never terrible. They're just always going to going to be there nipping at you. Yeah, I mean, Simon, I mean, full agreement. And, and where do you say Everton go for here? Yeah, I mean, they spot on. The Everton should have been well out of sight. I mean, Calvert-Lewin in both halves missed two great one-on-one chances. But Everton, they they, they just did a, an Everton tonight, didn't they? I mean, every time they they're such a weird club because they they always they they so many times they get themselves into a position where you think that they can really go and have a, like a proper tilt at like a top four, top five spot, and then they go and lose or you know obviously tonight drawn, but against teams that they should not be dropping points against I don't really I, I don't know if it's a mindset of, of the players there but I mean calls for anyone any Everton fan calling for Ancelotti to go needs the head looking at because quite right as you said there's there's not a better manager that realistically would go to Everton I, I, they should be thanking their lucky stars that they got him in the first place um, I mean, who did he who did he replace is it um the former 
Watford manager. Can't think I feel like I feel like Silver was it Cumin then Allardyce then Silver then Silver yeah so to go from right? Silver to Ancelotti yeah I think it was and that's that's a hell of an upgrade so I I, I mean so I don't think there's a problem with him but just I, I, I just don't understand it because the players they've got some really really good players so it just it doesn't make sense the games that they've dropped points in this season. And as you say, they'll, you know, they'll be looking at the table now and I think they'll, be, they'll look at the table come the end of the season and they'll be absolutely kicking themselves because they've, they've, how many points have they? So they're five points off fourth at the moment. And yeah, they, they've just really, really, I think, missed an opportunity to get a top four spot this season because they, they've got the players to be capable of doing it. So one thing you'd say is like, can you remember like every time when Everton had their full team available, they always seem to have like a slab yeah. of injuries. It's uh, it's bizarre really, but um, I, I also like, I just don't understand like they seem to have a different formation every game as well. It's, I think they went five at the back tonight, which is probably out of necessity because it seems they're missing a few midfielders for a change. Um, and they've, they've tried split strikers. They've tried. You know, I mean, can any of you explain to me what Tom Davis is? Like, I, I can't. <laughs> I have no, no, no idea. Yeah. He just seems to be this little little rodent that sits in midfield kicking the <laughs> shit out of people. It's... Yeah, I mean, it's just very strange. I mean, I say, looking at the table now, we're only three points behind them, and it's we've still got to play them twice somehow, even though there's only eight or nine games left this season. <laughs> <laughs> Two of them are against Everton, so um. Yeah, you know, this, they, from I think as a South end, they'll be kicking themselves that they haven't, that they're not in that sort of top four, top five. But there's every chance they could slip even lower than the ninth. Oh, one can only dream. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did I say that out loud? I meant to be professional as the whole summer. <laughs> well, why start now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I take that, Mister. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, on Palace, I think, I mean, you summed up, Dave, under under Hodgson, they are just that very middle-of-the-road team, aren't they? They do enough to stay up. They're never going to fight for a European place. They're never going to really struggle in relegation. Um, when Hodgson, or if Hodgson goes, shall we say, I mean, I know the talk is that this is going to be his last season, but um, is it a concern for Palace fans? Or is it almost exciting, depending, obviously, who the appointment would be, of what that squad can do? Or do we not see anything in it? I think, I mean, I don't think they've got that bad of a squad. Like, if you look at their forward options, at least, you know, Zaha, Eze, Batshuayi, as a starting point, is three, three, you know, pretty good options. Now, Jordan Ayew, I think, has, has outperformed himself for, for a while now. He's, he's been pretty good. Even Benteke scored a few recently. Um, I guess the big concern is that they've got a series of centre backs who are probably past their best, and as a result, they can never really fully, you know, commit because you can't really leave, you know, Gary Cahill one on one with anybody. So I think that's that's probably in the back of their minds, but it's nothing that's. You know, they can go out and buy. You can get a young a young coach in, whether it's I think Eddie Howe is looking like Celtic at the minute, but if not him, you know, anybody else will come in. And as long as he doesn't do a Frank de Boer and try and you know reinvent the wheel, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a bad job to get into. 
I think though you say that about as long as it's not someone coming in to try and you know re you know shake things up so much. But I think they've got quite a few players out of contracts this summer, which had, it doesn't look like any of them are being offered new deals. So I think if assuming you know if, if Hodgson does go like we sort of think that he will do, um, whoever comes in. They're gonna, they're gonna. There's a bit of a shakeup that's gonna have to go on in the summer. So it, I think it will depend. A lot will depend on what style of manager they bring in to sort of see where they go and and what they what players they try and get in to replace the outgoing ones. Big Sam, when you sure. West Brom, uh, they've been there, they've done that. <laughs> Do you think that makes a difference? <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> if anything, if anything, just makes them hungry for more, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as they've they've got some you know, obviously like Zaha Batshuayi is not bad and Eze as well. So they they've got they've got a couple of players that you can sort of to to start the building blocks of maybe trying to be a, a bit more of an entertaining team to watch. But it's it's not something you necessarily want to you know go wholesale over, which is what Debor did and it, it just didn't work. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think it's a really interesting summer coming up for Crystal Palace to see where they go for, uh, next season. They'll probably give Roy Hodgson another contract. <laughs> yeah, oh well, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He's, I think well, you know he's I, done a fantastic job, really, because as you say, they're, they're never in any real relegation trouble. They're never going to do anything. But that's Crystal Palace. He probably doesn't get the credit he deserves because of that Liverpool stint. If you took it off his CV, you go, you know what? Everywhere he's gone, he's done a really solid job. Um, I, I did national level as well. He's, he's had a couple of international jobs. So maybe what three? Maybe. I think he's had four? three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's a hell of a career he's had. He's uh, you know, he's he's fully earned the right to to go out when he wants to. He was in charge when Fulham. Which the UAP final? Yeah. Yeah, so no, yeah. fair play. I'm like, I, as I say, I've got no real kind memories of him for, for obvious reasons. Um, but I can still respect the job he's done for for International and especially for, as you say, that Fulham job. And, and the Crystal Palace's job doing is very admirable as well so no I've got a lot of respect for him and well, even got, before I think I don't know if it was before Fulham or after but he was at West Brom for a period as well and he did a really good job there yeah he was there, he was there before he got the England gig wasn't he yeah was he there at the Lukaku time am I remembering that right uh, uh, was there on loan possibly I couldn't tell you I think uh, yeah I think he might have been actually. I've got a feeling he was in charge when they hammered us three nil. Um, yeah. He he provides one of the greatest memes of all time as well. The the greatest. <laughs> it's just it's just so good. We I love old boy. Um, but last game of the weekend. Um, and what a game this looked to be. Uh, Wolves two, West Ham three. Um, West Ham racing a three 0 lead was it? And then. Almost letting Wolves in the back door, Simon. Yeah, it was um really, really entertaining game to watch. West Ham, as you say, they absolutely stormed into a three-goal lead. Jesse Lingard's continued his re-emergence as the uh, second coming of Messi <laughs> since he's gone to West Ham because he 
he scored a, no, re- a really, really good goal, actually, to, to open the score. I think he picked it up. I don't know if it was just inside his own half or just inside the Wolves half. And just complete, just ran at them, ran them ragged. Uh, he was involved in the second goal. Beautiful bit of skill uh, right by the corner flag to help set up Fornal's goal. And then he set up uh, Jared Bowen's goal as well, where... I mean, the Wolves defending for the third goal in particular was horrific. It was, I think it was a counter-attack from like a corner. And Wolves had about five or six players chasing back. But it was like watching like schoolboys. You know, when you like if you see like under nines playing and you've got 20 players in the sort of five metre, square metre radius. It was like that. They just all charged <laughs> to the ball and just left Boeing completely free. But um, Wolves... Got themselves back in before half-time. The rarest of things, Traore got an assist. One of his crosses actually found the Wolves player. And you sort of, you thought, oh, there might be this shades here of the West Ham Arsenal game from the other week when they found themselves 3-0 up, conceded a goal before half-time. Because Wolves looked a bit better in the second half. They got themselves a goal. Fabio Silva's really nice goal, actually, to be fair. Really, really good finish. And at that stage, uh, you know, the West Ham players probably panicking a little bit and thinking, oh, you know, this is it's going to be just like the Arsenal game did the week. But they held unfair play to them and find themselves fourth in the table with just eight games to go. So the, the race for the Champions League is well and truly on. Yeah, I mean, very well put. I mean, I think we all agree, Dave, that they might just fall short on on the fourth place position, but from where they were last season to to where they are now, David Moyes, I mean, we'll, we'll all agree, it's, it's probably been Baron Baron Pep, the manager in season. Yeah, it's uh, many of us saw it coming. To be honest, I think a lot of us thought Moyes would be out um, before long, but he's um, he's done an incredible job. Uh, and as as Sai says, Lingard has, has breathed life into a season where. I think we all expect them to fall away before now, but I think you know if Lingard isn't there, then they may well have done. But he's been absolutely incredible. I mean that that goal tonight. I mean Wolves probably should have defended better. Of course, they should have done, but it's uh, it's no mean feat to run what two thirds into the field and score. It's uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just looking at West Ham's remaining fixtures. I think there's only two games in here that that you'd say is will be really, really tough for them. So they've got Leicester next weekend, which is a massive game. Newcastle after that, which is a game on current form, looking at things you'd expect West Ham to win. Then they've got Chelsea, which I think will be a tough game, but West Ham normally do reasonably well against Chelsea. And then in May, they've got Burnley, Everton, Brighton, West Brom and Southampton. So it's not a terrible five games to end the season with. No, but you, unfortunately for West Ham, is if they don't pick up, say they lose the next three, you could just see them mentally crumbling in some yeah. games. Um, I mean, you wouldn't realistically if you're fighting for the top four, it's either a blessing or a curse that your your next three games are against teams who are right right around you. Um, uh, two of the three, sorry, I forgot Newcastle or one. Apologies, <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, 
if, if you're full of confidence and you're on a really good run, I mean, coming up against Leicester and Chelsea in two of your next three, when you're competing with those guys for the top four place, it would be ideal to then fall on to those. But as you say, West Ham have shown like weaknesses mentally with the with the Arsenal game, and I mean tonight's result might might give them a boost that they managed to hold on. But you you certainly didn't want to be given giving away goals or start giving away leads, especially against teams like Leicester. Or mm. I mean, we we all agreed earlier that the Chelsea one's obviously that freak result from this weekend, but you wouldn't want Chelsea to come back to 3-2 with, with any length yeah. left in the game because they're a team with so much quality that I don't know if even West Ham could, could hold out on that one. But it, whatever happens with West Ham this season, I think Moyes has done an excellent job. I think Lingard's been perfect for himself, for his own career, um, as we've seen him back in the, the England setup as well. Um, and for West Ham, you know, just giving them that boost that that they needed, that little spark, just to take them to a, to another level, in, entertainment-wise. He has been brilliant. I think uh, we've all been surprised at just how good he has been. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I didn't see it coming, but because I suppose I think we've I sort of said before, he's probably one of those players that because he's not quite at uh, the level you'd expect for Man U. He's, he was probably overly criticised and a team like West Ham is, is just perfect for him where, where he's going to shine at a team like that and fair play to him to be honest because the criticism that he has had over the last couple of years be quite easy to to just fall away and you know just give up and think oh, I can't be arsed with this um, but he's he's really shown these since he's gone to West Ham that he, he's actually a very talented footballer yeah, stop dancing, start scoring. See, that's what <laughs> doing football. It's more, it's more important. Um, but no, fantastic. It's a really good three points. Uh, Wolves, I mean, Wolves have fallen right down, but they they do just have too much quality there, don't they, to to fall any further? Oh yeah, they'll be they'll be, they'll be fine. I think Jimenez is on the way back as well, which is great news. Um, what are they on thirty five points? I think they'll be fine. I yeah. think. Uh, Right. Hopefully they'll beat Fulham on Friday and just rubber stamp the status for next season. <laughs> and, if, and if not, they've got Sheffield United the week after. So <laughs> I, I think Wolves just can't wait for the season to end. To be honest, it's just after the last two seasons, this has been a real disappointment. Nothing of the of the season for them. Yeah, I think I, I don't know where it's all went wrong. I mean, it can't just go down to the Jimenez injury. Um, I think yeah, I think of all the teams, they're probably the one who are looking forward to the break the most. Um, especially of the teams who are who are definitely staying up anyway. Um, well, that brings us to the end of all the games, chaps. Um, shall we talk about Ben Connor or shall we, oh, shall, we, God. shall we throw this in the bin already? <laughs> <laughs> um, week six results, boys. Um, Simon, you got one right out of your four predictions. Um, only Man United coming in. Chelsea, Everton, and Norwich all letting you down. Dave, five out of six, buddy. Oh. Just Chelsea letting you down. Uh, really? Yes. I thought, I thought I'd pay you as well. Did I not? No, you. Oh, you did. Oh, bugger! You had seven. That was hidden. Yeah, they let me down in in, in actual betting as well. So. Oh, did it? Five out of seven for yourself, and I had you five out of six. Um, and uh, PSG, and. Leicester leads. Uh, Leicester, Man City for me uh, let me down. 
uh, only two goals in, in each, one goal and two goals, and he did over two and a half. So that buggered me. So week seven for me, before I get yours, I'll just give you my one, just because I'm reading it just now. I have Bournemouth, Norwich, Brentford and Fleetwood all to win for 94-66. So, David, what have you gone for for week seven? Uh, well, I mean, first, my first observation is the Skybet app is all over the place for these fixtures. Like, <laughs> the Premier League had to scroll down through all sorts of nonsense. Like, it's behind League Two in the pecking order. <laughs> Bizarre. Um, anyway, so I've gone for it's another sevenfolder, by the way, because we've been so successful with these. So, far. <laughs> so I've gone for Inter Milan to beat Cagliari, uh-huh. Juventus to beat Genoa, Ooh, Ro- Roma to beat Bologna, Monaco to beat Dijon, Dijon, obviously, uh, Rangers to beat Hibs. Uh, Arsenal to win at Sheffield United and Bournemouth to beat Coventry. Ooh. Which returns £98. Yeah. Sorry, mate? Did you see Arsenal? I did. Away at Sheffield United, though. Yeah. So it's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> this should be alright. Uh, yeah, £98.17. And Simon, what have you gone with this week? I, I, I think for once I don't have any of the ones that Dave has got either. So mm. <laughs> I've gone. Uh, Man City to beat Leeds. Uh-huh. I've put my faith in Chelsea again to go and win at Crystal Palace. Uh-huh. This is the one that's probably going to let me down. I've gone for Leicester to win away at West Ham. Uh-huh. And Watford to beat Reading. Ooh. And that gives a return of £84.40. So the only double game we have in this one is me and you, Dave, both expecting Bournemouth to win. So we know what's letting us down. Well, I guess we'll see. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end, chaps. Um, it's been another um, entertaining week. Loads of goals um, and pleasant company. Uh, Simon, let everybody know where they can find you and what you've been working on. Uh, yeah, so on Twitter it's at Regan. And uh, for Villa fans, if you check out the Holtcast podcast or the website, 7500 to Holt. And David, for yourself? Uh, on Twitter, I am at CM9798. Uh, and we are actually recording the next Champ Man on the post this week. So hopefully that'll be out probably next week by the time we get it all sorted out. And you can find us at Man in the Post on all your social media platforms which Chris wonderfully keeps up to date. Uh, you will obviously catch us every Monday slash Tuesday, depending on when the games are on. We will have uh, Pieces of Me out on Thursday this week, hopefully. Uh, I noticed none was released last week, so one will be out. And if you'd like to come on that and talk about your favourite retired players, give me a shout and we'll get something set up. It's time to get recording again. They're starting dwindling down. Chris and the gang are back every Friday morning with the Extra Time show. Um, and I believe there was a special kind of Extra Time out this week, Dave, that you were on with Chris. Is that right? Yes, we interviewed uh, David Hartrick, who has written a book about Bobby Robson called Silver Linings, which is out soon. So give that a listen if, you, if you're uh, into Bobby Robson. Yeah, I think most football fans have kind of got a soft spot regardless for, for Bobby. So... Yeah, check that one out. Um, and I think that's it. I think Ross has reached out to the, the football manager guy for about his podcast to see if there's anything coming up. Um, 
But again, with the Euros coming up and other stuff, if there's anything you want to hear or there's anything you feel that we could include, just hit us up and we'll see what we can add on. Um, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Thank you very much, chaps, for joining me as always. Thank you. And always remember to keep your man in the pool.